Gracious Heavenly Father, as we gather this morning to hear Your Word, I ask that You would speak to us the truth, the hope, the peace that comes only from Your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would know what You would have us to know and hear what You would have us to hear. Bring me out of the way and bring You into the forefront now, Lord Jesus. This is the Word and the prayer of my heart. That my words in my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and the thoughts of my mind would be acceptable in thy sight. Lord God, you are our strength, our rock, and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, last night I had a dream. I want to tell you about it. I had a dream that uh, myself and Jerry Lee had uh, passed away, and we were uh, on our way to heaven. We, um, at the time, God had given me this glorious new body, but Jerry hadn't yet transformed yet. And there was this large stairway you had to go up, had a lot of different twists and turns in it, platforms to rest and things like that, to get there. And uh, since I had the new spiritual body, I was running up the stairs. And I got about halfway up and I saw Jerry was lagging behind in his earthly body still. And I said, this isn't right. So I went back down the stairs. I picked Jerry up on my back and piggyback rode him all the way up to the gates of heaven. And uh, when I got there, when we got there, I should say, St. Peter opened the gate. He looked at Jerry and said, Jerry, come on in. Put your donkey over there and let's go. Amen. Yep. Kind of tough. Speaking of donkeys... Uh, I watched The Promise over Trace Creek a week ago Saturday. Very, very good. And one of the scenes in there, they required a a living donkey. I thought, how are they going to do this? But they did the Palm Sunday entry, and the actor who played Jesus was sitting on the back of a live donkey at the back of of the gym where they put the play on, and he rode from the back of the gym all the way up, up a ramp up to the stage where they let Jesus off, and then they led the donkey off the stage. The donkey didn't miss a step, carry Jesus the way He should. He didn't halt and look at this ramp and go, what am I doing here? He made it all the way without a hitch. And I thought, as I watched that, wow, somebody must have trained this donkey well. They must have uh, done some sort of work to make a stubborn donkey... In, in a situation where you can't hold up the play because there's music playing and this timing has to be right. So they had to find a way to make this stubborn, normally, animal go up properly and not quit. And I said, hmm, whatever they did to train that donkey, I wonder if it works on people. Because it certainly worked on a donkey. Well, you see, I'm stubborn. And I wanted help training my will to conform to God's. Because every now and then, self-will goes crazy and uh, I walk away from the things I need to be doing to do stuff I want to do. And it's true for every human being that walks a place of this earth that we're always seeking our own rather than God's. We all turn away. Scripture even says there's none righteous. No, not one. Not any of us are. And, 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 and I want to be. And part of my life, I, my desire is to follow God, but a part of me goes a different direction at times. And we, we all find this. And I said, God, is there something I can do? Some way 
to, you can work in me to stop that thing, whatever it is, that's stubborn, and just remove it so I can just keep following you. I haven't got the answer yet. But all I wanted to know from God is, is it possible to let that part die off? Paul says we must be crucified with Christ. Crucify the lust of the flesh. All these things must be crucified. And therefore, we're living for God. But yet, here we are, glorified spiritual Holy Spirit within us, and yet we're still not 100% doing everything according to what God desires. And, and it seems to me counterintuitive when we talk about God in us, and yet the Holy Spirit and our own will conflict. Even says in the Scripture, the Spirit within us yearns jealously against the Spirit of God because one or the other is going to win. Flesh and blood and uh, spiritual things just don't jive real well. It's what, what they're saying in the Scriptures. Human nature can be very anti I was reading this morning about what happened, I believe it was yesterday, in, uh, yeah, yesterday in San Diego. The uh, shooting at a synagogue on the last day of Passover. And uh, a hate crime. Another one. People are very anti-Semitic in many places. In other words, against the Jewish people, Hebrews. But people are also anti-social. I think there's a diagnosis for that. People can be anti-kind to one another and anti-loving. People can be that way. But people can also be anti-generous. When there's a need and they go, I don't want to help that. Or anti-willing or stubborn. And I, I keep thinking as I look at our, our human nature, but what would make us want to do something for Jesus rather than not? How can we turn that corner how can we, as I like to say, turn 180 toward God and away from the self and the, the teasings and the lusts of the flesh in this world? How can we go forward? And I, I wanted to know that answer. I needed to know that answer. I thought that all it would take would be just surrender. But apparently surrender is a repeated, ongoing, daily thing. Not just a one-time thing at an altar. During the promise when the donkey came, they were portraying Palm Sunday as I mentioned, but that was to fulfill a prophetic word when Jesus actually did it in our New Testament. It's from Zechariah 9.9. It talks about a king coming in and riding on a donkey. Have you ever read that passage or heard it? It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. Scripture tells us he rode one that has never been ridden before. Talk about a task. An unbroken donkey. Try to ride an unridden horse for the first time. Expect it to do what you need it to do. But this was important for him to fulfill this prophecy. It's one of the prophecies he had not yet fulfilled the last week of his life. And he only had a limited time to do it. Just a few days left. 
on that Holy Week, which was about to begin, He would be crucified. There would be no more opportunities to fulfill all Scripture that must be fulfilled, including strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Cast lots for my clothes. All of those had not yet been fulfilled. And on this particular Sunday, there was a large crowd in Jerusalem for many reasons, but mainly because the Feast of Passover and Unleavened Bread was about to start. And on that particular Sunday, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, that was the day for the high priest to bring in the Paschal Lamb that would be for the sins of the nation. They would bring that lamb in through the beautiful gate, the eastern gate, that at the time was was not sealed. And he would bring it in on the Sunday before Passover. For us, that would be uh, Palm Sunday. Jesus knew this because it happened every year of his life that the high priest would do that. And so, right before that happened, he got a couple of his disciples together and said, I need you to go to town, to such and such place, we don't exactly know where, and get this donkey, I need to ride it. And if they ask you, what are you doing with it? Say, the Lord has need of it. And just as Jesus said, there was the donkey, and the owner said, what... (laughs) are you doing with the colt? Why are you turning it loose? And this is what the disciples said, the two that went, to the owners of the colt. The Lord has need of him. The Lord had need of a donkey. Seems almost mundane if you own a donkey that, oh, the Lord needs that. No, He doesn't. Why would the Lord need a donkey? And so they would want to argue. But they let them use the donkey at their word. I don't know if you get this picture or not, but in all the grand scheme of things, of all the donkeys ever born, why would the Lord need that one? And why a donkey? And maybe this is what the owners and disciples are thinking. Uh, he wants to ride a donkey. Doesn't he know that this one hasn't been ridden? And we don't even know if it's proven. We don't know whether it works or not. And he's putting, and Jesus putting all of prophecy and history onto the donkey that they're saying that the Lord has need of. <sighs> Man, it's no wonder um, we question what Jesus does sometimes and why He did them because it just doesn't make a lot of sense at the time. Jesus ever felt in your heart, have you ever felt Him ask you to do something that didn't make any sense? Why? Why would I do that? Why are you asking me to do that? It seems so mundane or simple or, or pointless. I remember a time, a long time ago, I was in seminary and I went to the Kmart and the Lord said, go outside and buy that box of stuff. And I went, um, I'm sure that wasn't you, God, because you don't tell me to buy a box of stuff without knowing what it is. And so I went in the store, walking around the store, and I uh, came back out and the box of stuff was still there. And he said, buy this box of stuff. So I went in and I, and I found out it was a whole bunch of golf balls in sleeves. 
And I took him in, and they charged me for one sleeve, for the whole box of them. I thought that was interesting. What am I supposed to do with these? So I took them home. They sat on my shelf for about four days. And four days later, a friend of mine came and said, you know, I, I've been needing some golf balls really bad, and, and I can't afford a full price. And I said, well, how much can you afford? And he said, well, I can't afford hardly anything. And I said, well, how many do you need? He said, I need at least 12. You've got to have 12. And I said, well, let me see what I got. And I went in the box, and I pulled out four sleeves. I handed it to him, and I said, will this do? And he said, these are the best golf balls made. Are you sure? And he said, how much do you want for them? And I said, nothing. I don't need anything. It was a blessing. And he said, okay. And he took off with them. I still had 15 sleeves left. I didn't know what I was going to do with them, but I found out that over the next few months, more people kept saying, hey, do you happen to have some golf balls? Nobody in my life has ever asked me for golf balls before or since. Do you understand what I'm saying? It seemed pointless to me. When God asks us to do something and we're obedient, the most pointless, seemingly nonsensical thing becomes life-changing. Whatever it is. It could be go tell someone, hey, God loves you. Whatever it might be, if we're obedient, God uses our obedience more than He uses our stubbornness. So Jesus knew that He had to fulfill that prophecy and He followed the high priest in on the donkey. And the donkey did its task. It didn't stop. It carried Him faithfully. Scripture doesn't record, and the donkey refused. It doesn't say that at all. Okay? It doesn't say, and the stubborn donkey that had never been ridden on didn't get the task done, so they had to go scramble and find another plan B. Didn't do that at all. It walked all the way with Jesus on its back. And could you imagine looking back on that, what the disciples must have thought? Wow, how did he know? Because the scripture said it. That it must be fulfilled. And this is the only time in Jesus' life when it can be fulfilled. And it's the point where people are shouting to God over the Paschal Lamb as it's coming right ahead of Him that it's actually being pronounced over Jesus. Worked well. And Jesus was such a powerful witness to the completion and fulfillment of Scripture that we overlook that that's what He was doing. In Matthew, it talks about this. And I like how he writes and tells us the story. Maybe you've read the story. Maybe not. But I put the verses there so you could see them. There's just a couple verses. Jesus is um, already in the temple. And he's lamenting over Jerusalem. Listen to what he says. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He's going into a stubborn city of Jerusalem. They want a Messiah, but they don't want the one that they're getting. And he says, See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall... 
See me no more until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When they actually receive him instead of the one the high priest is coming with. And so all that was riding, if you will, on the bank on the back of a donkey. The scripture foretold hundreds and hundreds of years previous, riding on the back of an untested, unproven creature. A beast of burden, a mule. And that's not the only time in history that a donkey (laughs) and the parallels to this story are striking. Uh, It's not the only time in history where a donkey made history. Maybe you remember the story in Balaam in Numbers. It's a long time before this ever happened. And in Numbers 22, it talks about the story. And Balaam was a prophet. And Balaam prophesied the Word of God. And the king at, uh, of the Amalekites, Moab, was afraid of Israelites, the children of Israel. They were getting a num- numerous in number, and he wanted to send for the prophet Balaam to come and curse Israel. He sent a large sum of money with some messengers to Balaam. And Balaam said, after he sought the Lord on it, he said, listen, all your gold and silver won't make me prophesy against God. No, I will not come and curse the Israelites because you want me to curse the Israelites. And they leave. And then they go back to Moab and he sends more shall we say, authoritative, more honorable princes, even of his own family, and more treasures from his household back to Balaam. And he says, Balaam, I'll give you all this. And listen, I'm really serious. I've got the best of my men here imploring you to come and there's more of them. Please come. And Balaam seeks the Lord again and And he says, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the Lord my God to do less or more. And God tells him that night, If they come to call you, rise and go, but only the word which I speak that you shall do. And Balaam gets up the next morning with these other entourage and leaves to go to Moab. But God's angry. Because he went. Obviously, God said the first time, don't go. Don't curse. Don't don't say anything about Israel. Do not do this. And the second time, God said, go ahead and go, but do not say anything but what I tell you. Now, the first promise of God is the one that he should have listened to, but he wanted justification to go. So he leaves. And in verse 22, God's anger is aroused, and the angel of the Lord stands in Balaam's way. But Balaam does not see the angel of the Lord. Now this is what he's riding on is a donkey. It's his own personal donkey. Now the donkey sees the angel standing right in the way with his sword drawn in his hand and the donkey turns aside out of the way and goes into the field. 
He won't go forward. And Balaam strikes the donkey to turn her back onto the road. The angel of the Lord still standing there between vineyards with a wall on either side. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord and pushed herself against the wall and crushes Balaam's foot. He struck the donkey again. The angel of the Lord went a little further down and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either the right hand or the left. And the donkey saw the angel and laid down on Balaam. And he was aroused and struck the donkey with his staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. <laughs> oh, I sometimes wonder why I put myself as the donkey in that story first. But He opened the mouth of the donkey and, he, and the donkey says to Balaam, what have I done to you that you struck me these three times? Now Balaam doesn't go, hmm, my donkey's talking to me. This must be something from God. Instead, he's angry and he speaks to the donkey angry. He doesn't say, well, how did you talk? He says, because you've abused me. You've hurt me. I wish there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey? On which you've ridden ever since I became yours to this very day. Was I ever inclined to do any of this to you? And Balaam said, No. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with the sword drawn, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Now he's back on the ground again after striking his donkey. Get off me, i got to go. And he sees the angel, now he's back on the ground like the donkey was bowing before the angel. And the angel says, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. God tried to stop him three times from doing what he didn't want him to do. Tried to stop him. And he even goes on to say, The donkey saw me and turned aside from me three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now, but I will let the donkey live. When I read that verse and it said, I'll let the donkey live, but I'm going to kill you, I went, wait a minute. Isn't there supposed to be grace and mercy? But God is a holy God. And Balaam was willing to go and do the thing that the king asked him to do to pronounce a curse on Israel if God would let him. He was willing to go to a foreign country where God is not worshipped. Do you understand? He's leaving his homeland to go to a place that is against his homeland. With the intent, if God lets him, to curse his own people. Three times, God turns back the donkey. How many times does God have to turn us back? How many times do we keep pushing forward? And finally God says, go ahead, have your way. But that which you wrote on is what I'm going to preserve, not you. Sometimes He takes away what we wrote on. But I was really stunned when, when the angel said, I'm going to kill you but not the donkey. Why? 
Because the donkey was obedient. The donkey was willing and faithful and only went where its master tried to direct it. The donkey even said, have I ever been inclined to not do what you ask? And Balaam said the one two-letter word that stands out to me in this story. He said, no, you've never been inclined to not be obedient. The donkey's better than we are. Amen. Never had been inclined to be disobedient unless the Lord told him no. The only time when it was against God, he wouldn't do it. Oh, that we were that stubborn. Balaam wanted to beat the donkey. It seemed like a good idea to punish a stubborn animal. That is what donkeys are, after all. It seemed like a better idea to the donkey to not resist God and face punishment. Even in the face of punishment, the donkey refused to defy God. I want that. I wish that we was all donkeys like that. Obedience in the face of danger is what that donkey had. The donkey that Jesus rode in had obedience in the face of never knowing who Jesus was. But trusting the Lord had need of Him. Donkeys have two things very notable. Maybe you know the first one, they're stubborn. You've heard the phrase, you're stubborn as a mule. Some phrases are from a donkey are not so kind that we call people. We don't call them mules and donkeys. We have other words and I'm not going to say them. thought about putting it in the title and people said you'd be looking for a new church if I put that as the title of a sermon. But they can be hard to direct. Refuse to move. That's their nature. Donkeys act like donkeys. <laughs> but they have a keen instinct which is able to detect danger that no other animal can as quickly. And they're very good at it. They will begin to act up when there's danger. Maybe Balaam didn't know his donkey was acting up because there was danger. Maybe he didn't understand that about his donkey because he's never had the dangerous situation. Who knows? We don't know that. But we do know this, that the donkey was not a stubborn one when it came to his master. But God trumped His Master. The Creator trumped the created Master. Amen. Oh, that we were the same as a donkey. Donkeys act like donkeys, but people act like people. And that's sometimes a bad thing. I had a young lady on my bus. Uh, she's in, uh, I believe she's in ninth grade now. And she was angry. Oh, visibly angry at another kid on the bus and started swearing. You wouldn't think that a high school would know those words yet, but apparently they learn them on the bus mm-hmm. or somewhere. But she had learned these nice choice words and I heard them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say to her, you need to be quiet. What I said is, why are you using the profanity? She said, I'm angry. And I said, I understand that you're angry, but you don't have to use profanity while you are. 
And she said, but I'm angry. Again, and I said, I understand that you're angry and someone may be acting foolish, but profanity is not welcome when you're angry or when you're not angry on this bus or in school. And she said, but, but they're acting stupid and like jerks and they're, they're annoying and they won't quit. And I said, well, tell me about that and you don't need to use profanity just because you're angry. She said, yes, sir. And didn't use profanity. She's getting off the bus and I had this real quick conversation time because when you get off the bus, people behind you, they don't like buses to stay stopped very long. So I said to her, you know, People are going to act like people. They're going to be stupid. They're going to act odd. And as this season has changed to warmer, the kids are even crazier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely out of their minds. It's hard to calm down. And I said to her, they're going to act like people. Did you think they were all saints and going to try and please you? No. You can be angry, but you don't have to let it run you. You can be angry and do the right thing. You can come to me and I'll help you with the situation, but you got to trust me. And she looked at me and she went, like, like a light bulb went on, she went, okay, I will. Still angry, but I'll ask you next time. There hasn't been a next time yet. But I, the reason I tell you that story is, is because we see people acting like people and we say, why are they acting like people? What's wrong with them? Not justifying what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense why I do what I do. But everybody else, there's something wrong with them. You know, there are... I hate to say this, but everybody else is a bad driver but me, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to call you all bad drivers, but if you're in front of me going too slow, cutting me off, or trying to run me off the road, I'm going to think you're a bad driver. Right? Right. That's just the way it is. Everybody thinks everybody else is a bad driver. One day... I accidentally pulled out in front of a car in the bus. And they looked at me like, what are you doing? I said, I didn't see you. I was looking at the mirror. I wasn't looking at you. I'm, I was terrible. I was a bad driver today. Thank you for not hitting me. And they went, you're welcome. <laughs> and it was funny because you were expecting, they were expecting me to justify my behavior. But when I owned up that I made a mistake, that I was a bad driver, they went, thank you for acknowledging that. Thank you for thanking me. And it changed what could have been a really weird situation. I could have had five calls to the transportation department. But you understand, people act like people and we expect them not to. Except ourselves. We expect ourselves to act like everything's good for us. It's their fault. We don't want to own responsibility for the things in our life. Balaam is violating God's command and going to a place he shouldn't be going and he's mad that the obedient animal won't take him there. God tried to stop him. And the king who uh, he went to prophesy to got to hear some very bad news because he went. We fail sometimes to understand that human nature is not a friend with God. It's into self-preservation, self-defense, protection. 
it doesn't necessarily concern itself with kingdom eternal things. It, it focuses more on here and now. And that's the problem. Is we're so short focused. Listen to this. The disciples are thinking he's going to ride into town on a donkey. Okay, whatever. We'll get him the donkey. That's good. Later, not then, later they understood why they did it. They didn't understand why they were doing it to fulfill the prophecy in Zechariah. They probably didn't know that prophecy. But they did what Jesus asked. And a miracle happened. I think it's interesting to note that prophecy and history were right on the back of both of those donkeys. Balaam's and Jesus's. There is no margin for error for either donkey. The question is, could the Lord trust that donkey? And the answer is, Jesus already knew that He could because He told him, go get that one. And Balaam thought he could trust his until it stopped acting properly. But the question that God had to discern the heart and the character of those donkeys to be, would they be willing to do what the Lord needed from them and not stubbornly sit down and quit or refuse to go or buck up? Hmm. If you don't know where I'm going with this, I'm sorry because I think I spelled it out pretty good. I told you I'm stubborn. I don't think I'm the only one. Why? Because people are people and they act like people. I wish people were more like donkeys and stubborn about the right things of God. I wish God put that in us. When God said something, just stubbornly say, I'm doing it. I don't care what anybody says. If I see an angel of the Lord stopping me, I'll stop. But until then, I'm doing it. I'm stubborn. I imagine you are. Now the question I have for you this morning is, are you willing? Are you willing to follow God no matter what? In the face of danger, in the face of other people trying to stop you, in all the questions that you might face, or in peril, like Paul was, in jeopardy, facing all sorts of trauma. Are you willing to do what God says even if inside everything's going, I, I can't do this. I don't even know what I'm doing, so how can I even do it? All a donkey had to do was walk. And let the one who's riding it lead to fulfill the prophecy. And all Balaam had to do was obey and he wouldn't have had to hurt his donkey. Because I believe that donkey loved his master. He even said, have I ever, ever not done what you asked? So why would I now? Unless there's a greater reason. I want a part of whatever part it is in us that rises up when God asks us to do something to be squelched forever. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it. You can call it stubbornness. You can call it self-will. All different sorts of names. But this morning, I believe that we can make an inroad and an answer. 
God put on my heart about ten days ago what was causing my stubbornness. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy about it. Why would I be happy about it, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it was a very simple, simple phrase that he spoke to my heart. He said, you've never asked for help <laughs> with it. This thing that keeps holding you back, you've never asked for help. You try to do it on your own. And every time you try to do it on your own, it's bigger than you. It's like a donkey that won't quit or that won't start. You can't control it. But I created those things in you. So you would bring them to me and I can recreate those. And so I prayed hard. I prayed, God, this thing is just eating me up. I don't know if you ever had a prayer like that or if you need to pray a prayer like that. But I said, God, this is eating me up. I hate it. I hate this part and I don't know what to do about it. I, and I've, I've tried, God, and I can't do anything. And I became desperate in the prayer. I said, God, you got to get this thing out of here because it's been with me for my, most of my life, if not all of it. And maybe you put it there, maybe you want it there, but if you don't and you can get, get it out of there, you got to do it. I can't. I'm coming to you, God, because I have no other way. I've tried self-will. I've tried thinking of other things, doing all the things the Scripture says, but I have never brought it to you. He says, about time. 54 years, almost 55 long enough to carry that thing around? And I said, too long. Life could have been a whole bunch different if I wouldn't have had made all those wrong turns because of it. Been a whole lot better if I wouldn't have had to waste all that time and could have been more productive for your kingdom. But God, we got time to redeem still. And lives still need you. And you can still do something about this. So I'm asking you, God, whatever you got to do, do it. Because I trust you with it. It may scare me to think about what you might do, but God, you know better what to do with it than I do, so do it. I'm willing. And I just laid myself before God that day. I said, God, you got to. You've got to. You've got to. Have you ever prayed like that? About something that you knew was in your life that you just didn't know how to get through it. If you're willing to pray like that, God's willing to listen. I'm sure He'll hear you cry your heart because you're desperate for Him to do something. Because you can't and nobody else can for you. And at that moment, when you pray that prayer, I'm going to tell you what happened for me, alright? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Nothing happened. No lightning bolt. No ray of light and thunder. Nothing. And I'm going, I just poured out my guts to you, God, and nothing happened. What's up with that? He said, pray it again. Keep praying. I don't know if you're serious yet. You only prayed one time like that. It's the first time in your life you prayed like that. You think, you think, I'm going to reward you for, keep doing it. 
Know what you need in your life and don't need. Keep bringing it to me. Keep being desperate before me and falling before me. Prostrate if you need to. But get before me and bring it to me. Those are the prayers I hear. Those are the prayers I can answer. After that prayer session, I got up to sweat and tears. And I thought, God, I don't know if it's better if you've done something, but if you don't, it don't get done. Mm-hmm. I said it like that too. If you don't do it, it won't get done. And all I could feel was something in my spirit say, don't forget that. If God doesn't do it, it won't get done. If God doesn't turn Balaam's donkey away, it won't get done. If God doesn't make an unbroken donkey rideable by Jesus, it won't get done. God has to do it. You've got to let God into the places in your life you've been unwilling. Whatever the reason. Whether it's something you protected because you didn't know what it would be like if you finally let go of it. A fear, a loss, a grief, an anxiety... A, a habit, addiction, anything like that. A thought process, anger, unforgiveness. Whatever God's telling you, He will take it from you if you ask Him. But you can't just say, God, I asked you, now do it. It's not like that. It's God, please. Please. I want to be better for you. I want to stop wasting time with this thing so I can spend it on you and your kingdom. God, I don't want to redeem it for me. I want to do it for you. And if you don't do it, God, then help me find a way to circumnavigate this whole thing. Get around it. Make it no longer a hindrance. But whatever it is, God, you got to do it. Please. There was a leper. And there was a blind man. They all came to Jesus. And one of them said this, Jesus, if You're willing, You can make me clean. If You're willing. You can do this if You're willing, God. And what does Jesus say to that young man? I'm willing. If we're willing to bring it to Him, He's willing to bring it to us. And what do you think God could do with you if you had that story to tell? Hey, this is God! God did it! You're not getting the praise for it. God is. You all have a story to tell, won't you? Exactly. And that's why I'm telling you I'm a donkey. Learning to be a donkey. To act like a donkey rather than a person. And I'm okay with that. Maybe you would be too. If you would be. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Sometimes it comes across in a strange way, Heavenly Father, through a donkey. Sometimes it comes through a still, small voice. Sometimes it comes through a mighty rushing wind. Sometimes it's a light, shining, blinding light. Sometimes it's just someone saying, I love You. And sometimes it's a moment where we just say, God... Here I am and you show up. I'm asking today, Lord, if there's anybody here willing to say to you, I'm willing because you're the only one who can and I'm going to ask you for help. Get this out of my way and I might serve you better with all I am. With all I am. 
not just part of me, with all I am. Heavenly Father, this is my prayer for each one of us, that all of us would want all of you in all parts of ourselves, would be in line with your will. Thank you. Amen.